Welcome to this week's edition of For the Love of the Frame. My name's Tim. And sitting to my left is the man. The pool is up to $300 <laughs> to know exactly what it is he does for a living. <laughs> Ian. Yep. You so, get a little snow? No, I'm waiting for it to get a, at least 500 I don't think you could get that number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. 300 was a little generous. I'm pretty patient. It's mostly, can, it's mostly my kids. I, can, <laughs> I mean, your kids, they have a pretty lucrative business from what yeah. I hear. So yeah, we can let it get to 500 and we'll split it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, also with this is Aaron who doesn't need a pool. We're just fascinated without money. He's also just done everything. So yeah, it's kind of hard to know <laughs> what, can, what he's doing right now. <laughs> And if you guess something, you're probably right. Right, yeah. At least at some point. <laughs> at yeah. some point. I, it's, it's true. It is a lot easier to guess. I did do that. Well, we are here to discuss the 1998 classic film, Saving Private Ryan. Um, it's our nod to, to Memorial Day. Um, I know it's a movie that's on a lot. Um, a lot of people have a tradition around that. Um, this film, it's hard to believe it's 25 years old. Uh, that, that was a, a hard realization <laughs> for me watching it this past weekend. Uh, this movie won five Oscars. Um, Spielberg got his best director, um, Oscar. It won for cinematography, sounds, um, sound editing, uh, sound, no editing and then sound effect editing. I'm sorry. I couldn't read my handwriting. Hmm. Um, so none of the acting? No. Uh, I don't know, kind of weird, right? Yeah, Hanks was nominated yeah. for Best Actor. That guy. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Makeup, and Best Original Score, mm. uh, not winning any of those. Um, so definitely a, a celebrated film. Um, I'm curious, do... We always track back to was Ian in diapers or not <laughs> during a lot of these 90s movies. Um, I'm assuming, Ian, you did not see this when it came out. <laughs> Unless you were just a precocious <laughs> history buff uh, and your parents wanted you to have a realistic portrait of war. Did you have World War II pajamas? <laughs> I didn't, but I did really like World War II. I read a lot of books, but I mean, this when was- When you were five? Not whenever I was five. <laughs> is that why, you, is is that why you ended up at A&M? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, exactly why, yeah. I mean, it's it's basically the same thing, like <laughs> going into the army and going to A&M. It's pretty, pretty much the same thing. But Aaron, Aaron's got like five different. Yeah, I can't even dignify that with the with the response. I don't know. You don't even need it. You just let that. Just Google the boot slide video. That's, that's all you need to see. And then watch this movie. I don't know what it. I probably would have remembered it if I had seen it whenever I was five. I'm guessing it probably would have stuck out to me. I'm. Just, I almost wish I had. I'm sure it would have been like a core <laughs> terrifying memory for me. But You'd be a different it. person. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I would. Yeah. I, I, was, I, would. I was actually remembering, uh, I saw this in high school when it came out and 
I don't, I don't remember what it was if I hadn't seen a lot of like war movies specifically because I was big into action even mm-hmm. from a young age. And so I, I just remember seeing this movie and, and being taken aback by like the almost immediate like violence, like when they're storming the beach. Uh, I was like 15, you know, I was in high school, so I wasn't like super young, but um, I, that memory's like burned in my mm-hmm. mind. Like I remember sitting in the theater with my friends and just being like, whoa, like this is intense. And I, I didn't go in expecting that. And so um, I remember liking the movie, liking all the characters. I think other than Tom Hanks, I mean, this, we were just saying so many um, names just came out of this mm-hmm movie and I think at the time Tom Hanks was probably the only one I recognized and I remember that's another thing that stuck with me was I was like man I like like a lot of these characters and I Mm -hmm. you know I found them like compelling so um to this day I I still have a soft part a soft spot in my heart for Barry Pepper yeah he plays the the sniper guy oh yeah was he he Roger Maris or he did a baseball movie yeah the HBO one 61 61 yeah. yeah But yeah, I remember that Barry Pepper was like the first time I saw this. I was like, "That's my guy!" Like, yeah. just something about him. I'm always gonna bias towards the sniper in any one of those <laughs> movies. I, I just I love the sniper guy. Yeah. Andy quotes a Bible verse before he yeah. shoots everybody. What's right. cooler than that? Exactly. I mean, come on. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. At the end, when he's just like fire, he's yeah. just like rapid yeah. fire. He's just like you know pulling that, pulling it back and letting it go and. Just and like just Bible he's left-handed, and he I was like, like "Oh just, my gosh, there's yeah, something was, so cool about him." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think if you're of a certain age, this is one of those movies where you have a very like real memory of the first time you saw it, especially mm. if you saw it in the theater. Yeah, which a lot of people did. Um, I, I vividly remember we were on vacation in South Carolina, and it was just. Growing up in New England, being in South Carolina in the summer, it was just like, I'm used to now, not used to, I've, I've at least accepted what it's like being hot in Texas. Like, So it's just 95 degrees, it was just like, we're inside. And so we went to a lot of movies and this came out and you know it was obviously something I wanted to see. And I remember going into the theater with my brother and getting into a really big fight because... Uh, so this is 98, so I was 19, so he'd have been 18, and he was just being the way, like, teenagers are and kind of being flippant and being, mm. you know, treating it like an action movie, you know, and I'm, yeah. you know, I was, uh, like, I, I got my degree in history. I was, like, you know, I was an American history uh, major and just, like, this isn't just an action movie. No, this, this is, like, right. real, this, you know, like, like, have some respect, right. you know, and, and being like, what the hell? Like, you yeah. know, things are going, getting blown up, and I, you know, and, like, we had, like, a legit, like, mm. you know, like, not in the middle of the movie. It was after the movie. But it just, uh, it tickled me because, like, I think we watched this yesterday, and my two sons watched it with me, and they're 12 and 13, and my 13-year-old was behaving just like my brother. <laughs> and that, like, masculine energy you have at that age where just you scoff at everything right. and you have to, you know, we all were that way. Yeah. Um, and my 12-year-old was just, like, he was just scolding him the whole time. of like, like, no, like, show some respect. Like, <laughs> that is a, because 
Like during like the opening sequence with all the crosses in, yeah, in Normandy, yeah. he's just kind of like making fun of, you know, yeah. just grasping at straws, trying to find something. To, you yeah, know. there's really not a lot there. I don't think he realized it was yeah. a, a cemetery. Uh-huh. He certainly didn't know that it was real. And so I kind of slid in there like, like that's a real place. Yeah. And he just kind of, <laughs> that quiet that's realization. Funny, yeah. But what you said, Aaron, is so, I think, vividly true of... There had never been anything like that. Mm. That Normandy, that that D-Day scene, in the depiction of it, the realism of it, it was simultaneously the most gruesome, Mm -hmm. like, filmed, I mean, limbs getting blown off, people dying, agony, just some of the even ironic, you know, the one guy who who gets hit in the helmet and he Mm -hmm. takes it off and then immediately gets clipped again, like, just... All those little mini mm. stories within the unfolding thing, you get the sense of the scale, you get the sense of mm. just how overwhelming and hopeless that scene must have been. And it's mm. the closest, and it's very, very far away, but the closest, you know, any regular person who didn't live through that probably yeah. could get to that, kind of in that power of film way. And even watching it yesterday, 25 years later, yeah. that scene is mm-hmm. has not lost or not faded like an inch. Uh, it, it's incredible. And um, like my overwhelming memories of seeing it in the theater are exactly that, 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 that yeah. D-Day scene. And then <laughs> the really weird moment where, not even in the movie, but just this movie was filmed and Matt Damon was a nobody. Mm. And then he won the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting after he was cast. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so I, I like, you're just like Tom Hanks, Matt Damon, good, like uh, Saving Private Ryan. He's Private Ryan. And so you're just waiting for Matt Damon because he was like, he, he was somebody at the time. Like, mm-hmm. I agree. I knew Tom Hanks, but I also knew Matt Damon because of Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the whole movie, you're like, where's Matt Damon? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you don't realize. And I think it's so. Uh, after twenty five years, it's so baked in that oh, they don't find Ryan till the end. But right. when you watch it the first time, and before it had been spoiled or kind of mm. part of the cultural, just absorbed into our, our consciousness, like it was a really weird experience of like where like is the mm-hmm. movie really just about <laughs> bouncing around France trying to like. No, no, that's not how this goes. Like, yeah. It's like a Terrence Malick movie where, like, the guy on the poster is only in the movie, yes. like, five minutes. And you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah, and I think everyone was a little confused yeah. uh, at the time. Those are my two kind of straight from 1998 trying yeah, machine memories. That's funny. I missed that because I think I was a little young for, like, Goodwill Hunting. Uh-huh. Like, that wasn't in my, like, wheelhouse at that time. So Matt Damon was kind of, to me... I, I didn't recognize him, you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't have like an association with him. Um, but that's funny to, to think about that. Just one of those quirks of yeah. timing and history and the way that it can work like that. That's, that's funny. Yeah. The beach scene is, I mean, it's nuts and it's, it's still so iconic. Like mm. I can't imagine it's crazy how well it's aged and I feel like it'll just keep on being exactly what it is mm-hmm. for I mean, who knows how long? Because mm-hmm. it, it is done so well. And it goes on for so long, it's long too. It's exactly a long right. scene. And it's like, and just the progress, like the incremental progress that they make. And like, and even then, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it does a really good job of like stretching that time out. where Because it, it's a long scene. It's probably like 10 or 15 minutes or something. 
But even then, it feels longer than longer that, than I would say. Like, it feels long just because of what's happening and how chaotic it is mm-hmm. and, like, how brutal it is. And, yeah, I had the same experience watching it just a couple of days ago. And I was like, this is... I mean, I can't imagine, I can't think of anything else that really comes up to that level, even anything that's been made recently. Maybe, I guess, maybe Band of Brothers is kind of on that same. That's probably the only thing that I would, I can think of off the top of my head. But they don't have like a, actually, I don't remember, honestly. I don't think that, they don't have like a real D-Day scene because they're they're paratroopers. Yeah, Yeah, there's, there's one... I can think that's lesser but comparable, but I'm not going to mention it. Is it going to be your... I'm keeping it in my back pocket. Okay. (laughs) It might be a recommendation at the end. All right. Yeah, I think that the scene we're talking about and the movie in general, like one of the thoughts I had was it does a good job of highlighting, I I do think like a strength of the military, the U.S. military in that like they do... They're they're very good at like drilling and instilling like problem solving and how to think, how to think strategically, how, like mm. in the midst of any, because it's like, it's war, you know, you cannot predict like every scenario that a, an individual or a team is going to face. And they just do this incredible job of like stealing you to be able to think in any kind of Mm -hmm. like circumstance like that. And like I said, to plan Mm -hmm. and to, and I was like trying to think of like, what is that? And it's, I think they do a good job of like defining the mission. Like, and you see that in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is our purpose. Mm -hmm. So they have well-defined purpose and then um, they do a good job in addition, defining like these are your kind of assets whether it's like skills, tools, abilities, like that is also well-defined. And so when I think when you have a clear vision of like, this is my purpose and this is what's available to me, Hmm. you are really strong at kind of making like quick decisions Mm -hmm. in the moment and as a team. Mm -hmm. And you see that in the D-Day thing. I mean, like we've already described, like just, I can't even imagine that. Like it's, and I love that they show the full range of just human um, kind of experience of that. You right. have the guys in shock. You have the guys like, all right, right. let's get in this thing. Like, right. let's do it. And it's just the full spectrum there. And you can relate to pretty much every single one. You're like, wow, yeah. um, they all make sense. And um, I I enjoyed that aspect of this movie. And I felt mm. like it's it's just well done. It's a, it's mm. a very like accurate, I think, depiction. Yeah, and... There's been a lot written and Spielberg certainly said like a lot of like actual D-Day survivors mm. like commend like the accuracy mm. and like it, it does the best to capture kind of what it felt like, which again, mm. it's still just a minuscule, you know, at best kind of thing. But mm. to me, this scene, I've never been in the military. It's not my world. You know, I studied history, but that's, you know, that's books, right? But like the power of filmmaking, we, we celebrate that in this podcast and we like to think about it and talk about it. But like from the, the very, right, like it starts that, that scene, right? It starts, they're in the boats mm-hmm. and you get this like somber mood and it's just these, these details, these choices Spielberg made where, you know, some of the guys are like vomiting mm-hmm. and 
What other walk of life are you in a boat crammed mm-hmm. in and it's some like maybe one or two, three guys just vomit at your feet? No one moves a muscle. Right. No one's yelling. No one is like, oh, what is going on? Like no one's repulsed. Mm-hmm. It shows how, like right there, yeah. without a single line of dialogue, it's showing these guys are locked in, right? You mm-hmm. see some, you know, praying the rosary, you know, right. like they're, they're highly stressed. They're terrified, but they're resolute. They're, mm-hmm. you know, and then you just go and then it kind of hits and the camera's jumping the yeah. whole time, mm-hmm. which it's, is conveying yeah. the confusion. It's conveying mm-hmm. the chaos and you just, you land and I love it because the, the boat gets there, they drop the thing and immediately machine guns take out mm-hmm. like, you know, just the high velocity. I mean, mm-hmm. these guys don't have a chance. Yeah. They're not even aiming for them. It's just right. some guy it's on the just, beach is just spraying them. Mm. You can't dodge it. There's no, it, yeah. it, it underscores the random nature of it. Mm-hmm. Like that guy happened to be assigned to sit in that seat. He never got off the boat. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a life, right? Mm-hmm. And then you see the guys fall off the edge and then drown in the equipment. Mm-hmm. That wasn't part of the plan, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I was even reading, like, historically, like, those big X things, you oh, know, yeah. that are there. The metal stretching traps. Yeah, they were there to, because they thought the invasion would be at high tide, mm-hmm. which would make sense because it would minimize the uh, the distance the soldiers would have to go, but they mm-hmm. did it at low tide, <laughs> and so they were exposed. Um, but, like, you know, that historical fact, like, for whatever reason, I don't know why it stands out to me every time, but all the dead fish. Oh, uh, yeah. But it makes perfect sense. Like yeah. That amount of, like, ammunition and that amount mm. of just, you know, explosions, all of it. Yeah. There would be a massive amount of, like, dead fish washing up. And just those kind of details. Mm. Um, and you feel, like, the sense of randomness, the sense of helplessness, but the resoluteness, the fact that, like, these guys did manage in the most stressful of situations to like rely on that. It's remarkable. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, in the way they kind of could band together and like what leadership looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knowing you're sending guys to their death, but it's gotta be that way, you know, and, and how to not, it's, you know, I don't know, I'm curious, like what other things, like, I'm just kind of shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole leadership aspect, that was one thing that was really interesting. And like throughout the movie, I feel like it explores it. But it's interesting uh, just even in that first scene because they're, they're so disorganized, like you don't know what's going on. And like everybody's just been put places that they didn't really think that they would be and everything. So people aren't where they're supposed to be. And so nobody really knows what's going on. And it's interesting, like you see guys will get to a certain place and then they're just like, okay, what do we do? Like, where are we going? And it's a lot of it is that discipline that you were talking mm-hmm. about, Aaron, just so it's like certain people are in charge and then certain people are like looking for somebody to be mm-hmm. in charge. Right. And it's funny how well, I mean, I, yeah, obviously I was not in the military either, so I don't, but I would imagine that it would, it like definitely could work out that way. And it, from everything that I've seen or like read, that it very much does like that's so ingrained in mm-hmm. everybody in that system that like that it, even whenever it's real like that was what actually how it plays out and so it's just interesting that like he Tom Hanks shows up somewhere and everybody's just like okay you're the commanding officer here nobody else is alive that's as high of rank as you are what do we do and then as soon as he starts saying stuff everybody's yeah. like okay they like, just listen we're doing yeah. it yeah which yeah. I think goes back to the mission <laughs> thing that you were saying mm-hmm. of like just giving people something to do and something to move towards mm. is really helpful 
And it, it's just, it's an interesting picture too. I mean, I think a lot of war movies are like this, but it does show that like having a clear mission like that and a mm -hmm. clear way of getting there, even if it's a really difficult uh, path, it, it, it like simplifies things and it just right. like narrows your vision and that people are really capable of doing incredibly difficult things and incredibly mm -hmm. like sacrificing things as long as like they feel equipped and as long as the vision and the mission is clear right. enough. Yeah. It's interesting that you, you brought up the, the kind of like structure of the military. Cause that was another aspect that stood out to me uh, watching it this time where, because that is so ingrained in just your everyday life in the military where it's like you walk around the base and it's one of the things that's drilled in you in, um, in basic training. Like these are the ranks. You have to know them. You have to know what every single thing on a person's sleeve means because it, it, it could be someone you've never seen in your life, but you see them and you immediately know this person has authority over me mm -hmm. or they, or I have authority over them. And it's strange because I remember going to like the finance office to update something with like my pay, like, Oh, here's my new checking account or routing numbers. And the person I'm talking to, they could have, they potentially like outranked me and that immediately like shaped yeah. our interaction. Mm -hmm. Cause I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm just an airman. This is a Sergeant or this is a Lieutenant. Like, and it's weird because you're having these like normal, like I'm that you would have in a job, right? Like I'm, I'm talking to the HR person essentially, right? but there's this added layer of, oh, but they're a Lieutenant. Mm -hmm. And so it's ingrained in your everyday life. And I think it's part of it's by design for the, when you are in these more intense scenarios, you're not, sit, you're not sitting there trying to figure out, wait, who's in charge? Who should we listen right. to? Yeah. It's just, it's so automatic. It's just like, okay, th this guy's got the stripes on his sleeves or the bars on his hat. Like, He's in charge. We listen to him. Mm -hmm. Like we follow his direction. And then I really appreciated this time, um, Sergeant Horvath, uh, Tom Sizemore, because mm -hmm. he's the sergeant, he's the NCO, the non-commissioned officer. And I really appreciated his role because that's, I was a sergeant, I was an NCO. And it is this weird in between where um, you are like one of the guys, you know, you're enlisted, um, but you're also like, in leadership mm -hmm. and you, they, the NCO really is like this bridge between like officer and, and kind of enlisted and the scene where, uh, they take out the, that little machine gun, right, yeah. like, like a radar station. You, that, that to me, that is like a perfect depiction of like what an NCO. When pulls the gun. Uh, yeah. Ed burns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, my like, yeah. right there. Well done. That's like, <laughs> we are not going to Chili's for lunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have the Lieutenant. But no, like, you know, that, that like tension that he feels of like, these are the guys and, and he's one of them, but he has to like keep them in line in the way that like, the mission is being jeopardized by the kind of insubordination. Like he's, he's trying to like, he's trying to play his part and play his role. Mm -hmm. And it is a weird in between role that exists in the military. And, um, I found it challenging, but I really, I liked how, how they depicted him. Um, mm -hmm. Cause you also see him in other scenes. Like he's taking care of the guys. Oh, like definitely. he's, he is supposed to be the one who is like very personable and like, like you're saying, Tim, like the captain is the one having to give these commands that he knows I'm putting these guys' lives on the line. And so there is this kind of like separation of like, uh, 
like they don't know where's he from? What does he do? You know, that mm-hmm. they're, they're giving you little signs of that, right? Like they, he's not the one who sits around the campfire at night and like just chit chats with them. Um, they're kind of giving you little hints at that. The sergeant is the one who does. And so mm-hmm. it's just all these interesting dynamics that they just like nailed. Yeah. Well then, but then he's also the only one who's really in the captain's like inner circle. Right. Like he's the only one that will come to him and like, they'll have these conversations whenever he doesn't really know what yeah. to do or like, whenever he's wrestling with the guilt of sending people right. to their death, like the sergeant is the only one. So he really is bridging those two worlds. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's super interesting. And he does, he does a really good job. Yeah. Like, he's, he's great at yeah. it. And, uh, yeah, the, like the captain, he's telling one of the privates, he's like, complaints don't roll downhill. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that is, yeah. I was like, that. I heard that. Like that yeah. is so true. Like it's the way it works. When it's so funny, like it's, it's almost strange to me like watching that movie and thinking that that like the military obviously still exists mm. uh in more or less that same form it's today basically the same, yeah. yeah and we just but i think our culture has gotten like at a, i mean even during world war ii i would say our culture was probably fairly close to that whereas mm. like there were just some people that were in charge some people that weren't and then and it was like you kind of knew who was in charge and who was giving the orders and who wasn't. And it was a lot more clear cut, but now we've shifted so far away from that where like every individual can kind of make their own decisions in every aspect of their life, which obviously there are good aspects of that, but you also see the confusion that comes with that. Mm. And it's interesting to see this world where it's so clear cut and everybody has their role and everybody knows their role. And whenever things get hard, that it actually, everything kind of snaps into place where you're not arguing about who's going to make the decisions or even what the mission is. Like there are maybe these arguments, but at the end of the day, you have one person who's making a decision and they're going to tell everybody else what to do. And everybody else is probably going to go along with it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing that system work and seeing the benefits to it. In, in, in a culture that is like hyper individualized at this point. Hmm. I think there is like an innate human longing for the most part to be under good leadership. Yeah. And I think we're in a season of whatever our cultural moment where we're very aware of like bad leadership and the, the negative fruits that come from that. And there's always a pendulum swing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, on that end, but it doesn't negate the fact that like people really do yearn for um, just good leadership that's not self-serving. Mm. And maybe even using that as a segue, um, I mean, Tom Hanks's character, Captain Miller is such a, I mean, he, he was nominated. It's a fantastic performance. Mm. Um, really interesting character in a very mm. almost quintessential Tom Hanks way. And I think he really brings mm-hmm. his Tom Hanksness yeah. to it. He's not kind of you know Johnny, yeah. you know Rambo, like Rambo right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, like he's not physically imposing. Right. He's not the greatest athlete. He's not right. you know, but there's something winsome about his leadership mm. that I think even as you watch, you're like, yeah, I would go fight for that guy mm-hmm. or with that guy, you know. Um, so I don't know, I, I just thought I'd create a little space. Like, like, what do you, or just what's your take on, on Captain, he's the main character, obviously. 
Um, but just particularly through the lens of like his leadership and what's distinctive about it or how does he go about doing it? I, I really like the way that Captain Miller um, brings Upham, Private Upham yeah. along. Hmm. I think it's, it kind of highlights his leadership and the effectiveness of it. Because when, you, when Captain Miller first meets Upham, he's looking for a translator. Upham's this guy who entered the war for, you know, on a completely different mission, uh, which is also something that's very common in the military. You have orders to do one thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, you're doing this now. Um, but the way that, the way that Captain Miller, um, he doesn't like... Uh, he doesn't like lower the standard. He's like, mm-hmm. this is the expectation. You are a soldier. This is yeah. what you are called to do. <laughs> Did you shoot that Leave up the yeah. typewriter? <laughs> yeah. Did you shoot yeah. that gun in basic training? <laughs> then you're qualified. Right. You know, like you have been given what you need. This is what you're capable of. Like he doesn't bend on that. Yeah. But he is still like, he is still patient with him and bringing him and understanding, okay, this guy wasn't a ranger. He wasn't a paratrooper. Like he's... He has a he carries a typewriter like yeah you know uh, as opposed to a rifle like he's a nerd he's a nerd (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I I just appreciated those scenes where he is he's bringing him along um he's applying the right amount of pressure he's not being too easy or too soft on him but he is understanding. Mm Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to this, but the way that Upham, like, his whole arc is super interesting. And so it's interesting to watch Captain Miller bring him along, but then, yeah, he, like, doesn't, he doesn't get where you want him to be. Right. By the end of the movie, definitely not. But you you don't fault the captain for that. Sure, yeah. Because you do see him, like, you see him leading well. And, And one of the things that I, like, really stuck out to me was uh, one of the things that you were talking about, Aaron, where he's talking about like gripes only go upward, they only go up the chain. And I feel like he, you see the way that he navigates that so well, mm. like, cause they're, they're legitimately complaining about something and they're not happy about doing something. And the way that he uses humor, I feel like is, it's really well done. Like he's, he's a master at it. Like of just putting in that one, one liner whenever he needs to do it to like dissolve the tension and to like kind of sidetrack everybody, yeah. but enough to where like they're still they're still on the same page and they're still going to the same place on the same mission. But like he's able to he's able to use his humor to dissolve any amount of like I don't know like any real uh, like tension or just yeah like ill will really. Mm-hmm. And and he does that really well. And I feel like that's one of the things that makes him a really good leader is he knows when to step in and say something. And then he also knows when to just like let people, let the men just like talk amongst themselves and um, yeah, kind of do their own thing. And, but yeah, it works, it works really well. But then you also see him using humor to really just to like cope, just to deal with Mm -hmm. what's going on around him. Because, I mean, it's a brutal, like you see so many people die in this movie, but it, it doesn't feel like a like a John Wick where there's like mm. just people getting shot in the head over and over again and you don't really care. Like it, it feels like everybody who dies in this is like, it feels real to some mm. degree and you feel the weight of it partly because he feels the weight of it. Um, but you see him like, you see all the different ways that he copes with 
losing men. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting to me, especially whenever he's talking in the church um, to the sergeant Mm -hmm. about how he copes with that. That that was super interesting to me. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, it kind of feeds into, I think, what I gravitated most with Captain Miller. And his depiction of... He's so like grounded and he's a, he's a realist. Mm -hmm. And I think his leadership is displayed in the film. He's, he knows who he is and he's confident in who he is. So he doesn't have to rely on his rank, even though he's entitled to Mm -hmm. as an inherent like sledgehammer or Mm -hmm. like shut up, you know, maggot or I don't, I don't need to hear from you. Look at the, my, my sleeve says this, like, and there is a time and a place to assert that. Um, but, he he just he knows who he is and he you can tell like being a leader isn't part of like why he feels like he's a worthwhile person. Mm-hmm. He wants to get back to his wife and being a you know school teacher. But here's where he is. He knows you know no one's asking him his opinion. You know he he's not going to be advising on the war. And so he's just very real and grounded, but at the same time, he's not going to complain and, mm-hmm. and it's bad for morale. And I think he just figured out a long time ago. It's just mm-hmm. doesn't help anything, but he's not getting on the other guys for griping. He understands it's a needed thing. And so he's just inherently confident in just, he leads from a place of like consensus building, but not in a democracy way, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't make sense, but it's uh all right, here's my role. I'm going to execute the role. I'm going to ask you to execute your role. I'm going to hold you to a standard, but we're still guys like you're still soldiers. And you know, the, the one scene mm-hmm. where uh, Horvath, like, you know, after the, the machine gun mm-hmm. and the, and again, the dead cows, you got the dead fish, the dead cows. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the dead animals just, <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> those poor cows, but like yeah. they have cows in France. They clearly yeah. would have been shot. Yeah. Like you would yeah. expect animal carcass. I just, yeah. I don't know why that never occurred to me, but and he tells uh, Ed Burns, like, yeah. you know Riding, what? I, I get it. And he even yeah. shares like, I don't like this mission either. Yeah. I don't know who mm-hmm. Ryan is. Right. I'm sure his mom's sad, but you know, and that's the core conflict they're all mm-hmm. having is like, they have to follow orders, but they're <laughs> doing this insane mission. It's, it's kind of a vanity play or, mm-hmm. or uh, you like know, some higher up who's right. not yeah. on the battlefield. Right. Yeah. They're going to lose how many men? So, you know, yeah, it's brothers, but there's also certain randomness there. Mm-hmm. And then that's even highlighted once you meet Ryan and he's just like, yeah, I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are my brothers now, mm-hmm. you know, which you get, there's a certain admirable quality to that, but he's very in touch with all that. He's not faking it and being like no like where his heart isn't in it but he's going to toe the company line because that's what he's supposed to do like he's true to himself but within understanding like the scope of authority and what it how it serves people the Mm -hmm. soldiers at his command and not authority for how it serves himself because if he Mm -hmm. was doing about serving himself it would be i don't want to hear the griping shut up this is what we're doing you know be be who you are your soldiers and um but it's he really is like looking out for their best while at the same time making these decisions. And he, you can see he, he knows the exact number of people who died under mm-hmm. his command. Mm-hmm. And in that scene you're talking about in the church, he, he talks about how he rationalizes it by like, well, this death saved, mm-hmm. you know, two, maybe even 10 others. So he 
you kind of, you know, it's, it's balancing the scales and the scales are in like the live safe thing. Mm. And then he freely acknowledges like that's just a mental crutch and right. it's probably not true. Like, like yeah. he has the wherewithal and the groundedness mm-hmm. to stare that fact in the face, even as he, you know, wants it to be true. <laughs> mm. And I, I just love the, the shaking hand because it's, it's this visual depiction of like the frailty, like even a guy who's that down to earth, that kind of resigned to his fate. He knows he may never go home. He wants to, he Mm. hasn't extinguished the hope, but he's not like a slave to it or Mm. he's not imprisoned by it. Mm. And so he lives in this freedom of just, I'm going to do my mission. I'm going to lead my men. I'm going to do my best to see that the men are safe and that the mission is done. And when those two conflict, like it's, he's got the flow chart in his head and he's just letting it play out. And and there's just something winsome Mm -hmm. and attractive Mm -hmm. about a guy who isn't doing it for his own ego, isn't doing it because he's a great leader and he wants these people to see him as a great leader. He's very, I guess it's humble leadership. He's, Mm -hmm. He's very empty of himself um, but not abdicating what it is to be a leader. Yeah, because yeah, he's not taking himself too seriously. Mm-hmm. And like in some ways he almost just isn't taking like everything that's going on around him too seriously. Like he obviously is, he obviously recognizes the gravity of the situation, but I think he also knows, like you were saying, there's a tension in like the way that he rationalizes it. And he knows if he looks at it for too long, it's mm-hmm. not going to hold up and it's not going to be satisfying. And mm-hmm. so there's a way where he he thinks about things enough to where he wants to make the right decisions. And then and then he kind of just goes with it and just accepts whatever is going to mm-hmm. happen and just realizes that he's not going to always make the right decisions, not always going to be in control. And that like there are going to be real consequences of that for him and for other people. And that he has to bear the responsibility for but then he doesn't let that paralyze him, right. which I think is, I mean, it's, I mean, that's extremely impressive and it's really just well done. It's really well depicted because it's believable. Yeah. And I think there is a certain amount of letting go that has to be done. And I mean, it's just all the stuff that you were saying, Tim, it's just not, it's just a humility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, I mean, even in non uh life or death situations, it can be easy to build things up so much. Like I, I feel like I do that way too much rather than like build up decisions in my head to make it seem like it's like something more than it is. But at the end of the day, it's like you just make decisions and then mm-hmm. you just, you just hope you're doing the right thing and you kind of, but if you, you can't analyze everything to the point of paralysis. Right. He's not a, he's not a super work. genius. It's right. not the power of his analysis. Mm, yeah. I think that's part of what makes him so attractive is like, mm. he's not super strong. He's brave in the way that they're all brave, but you don't see these kamikaze runs that yeah, he just right. is like, oh my gosh, where'd that come yeah, from? Captain like, America. Or right. He's not yeah. Captain America. Mm-hmm. Like there's, he's entirely ordinary in every way. Yeah. What a faithful soldier and leader. Like he's, he's good, mm-hmm. but he's not like uniquely remarkable. And it extends, I think, to... He's not even like Captain America is a great like counterexample because he's like this perfect embodiment of like mm. physical fitness and mental acuity and, and morals and everything. Like Miller was all ready to execute that German guy. Yeah, at the, mm-hmm. he, was mad. Like, yeah. he was mad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he absolutely had no qualm. I mean, that was a, that's a war crime, mm. right? I mean, that guy was surrendered. You're not supposed to shoot. No one would ever have known about it. Yep. You know. 
And honestly, he, he was not torn up. It was the interpreter who was torn up on the morality of it. Mm-hmm. Nobody else cared. And, and he was very in line with that. And you can step off the battlefield. You can step back and from a distance be like, no, that's that's moral weakness. Like we have ruled, like I, you know, surrendered. It's war. It wasn't personal. You know, if the situation was reversed, we wouldn't want the German guy killing the American soldier for doing his job, all those things. But like... They didn't try to you know, paint him that way. Mm-hmm. And, and the other scene that, that comes to mind is um, er, earlier when uh, that French family is trying to like give mm-hmm. their girl, you know, mm-hmm. it's this picture of desperation and, you know, and he like, it's the one time he like flips his lid right. when Vin Diesel is just like, <laughs> oh, she reminds me of my niece. And he's just like, this is not a time to right. be, you know, yeah. like, he's like, oh, we'll just drop her off at the next town. Yeah. And he, hard line. Right, like, yeah. there, there's no, like, kind of empathy or humanity. You know, it's a mm-hmm. way of, like, well, is it really, you know, and obviously we know Vin Diesel gets sniped two minutes later, but it's outside the mission, outside the scope. Like, he, he's mm-hmm. not guided by his heartstrings. Or he's not guided, you know, just these other things. It's... Yeah it's what you need a leader to do. Mm-hmm. Like Vin Diesel was, it was a compassionate thing that wasn't a time for compassion right. and, and it needed to be cut off. And, you know, he was proven right shortly after, but it still probably felt dehumanizing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even like when the, ultimately the, the interpreter wins the day and they don't execute the German uh, soldier, like his way of trying to bring unity back because they're all mad at that point. They're mm-hmm. fried. People died who shouldn't have died. They're mad at the mission. They're mad at the decision to take out the machine gun. And because that's the other thing, the leadership right. thing. Yeah. They, they could have gone around. Yeah. Gone around it. Yeah. And that's him looking out for the big picture, the way leaders right. need to do the safety of his men would have been going around, but he knows someone else would have taken that right in the mm-hmm. teeth and mm-hmm. it would have been probably more losses. So he, did the morally hard thing, the self-sacrificing thing, and taking on that. Well, then he goes up there too. Yeah, he's, he takes he's the middle the one route. He goes in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's leading by example. Yeah. And then lets the interpreter be hiding back because that right. guy is not a hardcore soldier. Yeah. You know. Um, but when they're fractured and, you know, the guy's threatening to walk off, the one guy, you know, Horvath's got the gun, you know, and that's when he brings out <laughs> the story. That's where mm-hmm. he, he kind of brings it up. And then, it's just this brilliant way of finishing it of just every life that's killed. It's like, makes me feel further away mm. from kind of who I am, where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So he's not afraid of taking life. Um, and I'm actually curious, maybe even using this in, if you have more to say then stay here, but the film's playing with like mortality. Like the, the, there's a pendulum between like just, it's a really heart rendering, like sad deaths, like the French with the, the kids and, and these, these moments where you like, you really feel it. And then these moments of just the callousness of just, just savage destruction everywhere. And you mm-hmm. see the way people and the soldiers, their way of coping is to just almost be flippant, uh, disrespectful in, in some places. Um, you know, and I, I think Miller himself embodies, you know, that, that pendulum. Um, I don't know if that's something that caught your eye or if you want to keep talking about Miller, that's cool. Fork yeah. I don't, know yeah. I, I don't know if I have, I'm trying to think if I have anything interesting to say about that. I mean, it definitely, 
Yeah, it pulls in a lot of ideas around that. But yeah, one of them is just like the randomness of war. And it's just like some people just get killed and some people don't. And you don't really know. It's like there's no real reason why or why not. Yeah, I think there's something inherent, at least to war movies. <laughs> and, mm. and it's something that they plumb and, and, and go to a lot. But I think... Uh, is it Stalin who said like one death is a tragedy and a million deaths is a statistic, yeah. you know, and, and what he's getting at is that, you know, you can, with one death, it's like that person had a mom or that person, you know, there's a story, there's, you know, lost there. It's, it's tragic, but a million, it's just like the human mind and heart mm -hmm. and we just can't process mm -hmm. that much sadness and death and destruction. And you just get overwhelmed and it, there's a desensitizing, you know, I think you'll see it, you know, some of those, uh, jobs that are kind of very like, um, like gallows humor, like that's mm -hmm. where the term comes mm -hmm. from. Right. You know, I think if you're on the front lines and like ERs or, or just yep. certain things, like you, you get a, a callousness that I think if you're on the outside, it feels like, Whoa, like you lost your humanity. But I mm -hmm. think on the inside, it's, it's a coping mechanism that you need to mm -hmm. do to not like cry all the time. And it's just interesting to see that display. I guess the scene I'm thinking of is when they are looking for Ryan and they like are counting the dog. They're going mm -hmm. through the, the mm -hmm. guy who like crashed the plane. Um, all these people died and, and they're just, they need to either rule out that Ryan's alive or dead. Or they're just, they're trying to find information. So they're sitting there and it's just this bag of dead people's dog tags. Mm -hmm everyone a story and they're almost playing poker with it. They're mm. trade, you know, you know, and just, they, mm. there's no <laughs> recognition. And then you, there's this line of wounded soldiers and like, these are their, mm -hmm. you know, friends and brothers and everything. And like, they're watching the guys on their own side almost make light and, mm -hmm. and, you know, joking back and forth and kind of getting mad. Oh, you ruined my pile. And, you know, and just like that interplay, I think it just makes you, I don't know, for me anyway, I found that a very thoughtful, yeah. Yeah, yeah because there's like, like you're describing, I think, I do think this movie is definitely putting its finger on it. Like there's inherent, like life has inherent value, but then there's also these circumstances and things that make kind of how you experience um, the value of life, like relative. Mm -hmm. And it's a strange phenomenon. Cause like you're saying, like that scene I'm sure if you made a movie about those guys who might like, they had moments like that right. where they were trying to cope right. with loss and they were joking and like mm -hmm. trying to get through it, but it's relative, you know, it's like, those are guys they know. They're not guys that the other, yeah. that the, the team that the movie's about knows. And, um, it is interesting cause it, I, the movie's playing with that a lot in terms of, um, like saving private Ryan. Like you've got a team of whatever it is, eight or nine guys, all putting their life on the line for one guy. It's a strange, you know, and it, it, I, every time I watch this, I kind of feel myself going back and forth. Like I can understand it. I don't, it frustrates me. It's, it's admirable. It's cool. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, um, that true story of that, the Mrs. Bixby letter, yep. even that I didn't quite get like the point he reads it and like the right. point of the letter is like you made this awesome sacrifice like yeah thank you 
And then the general's like, that's why we're going to save Ryan. I don't follow, <laughs> but I think that, that kind of, um, and I'm blanking on the word, but that kind of like, um, I don't know, dichotomy or, uh, you know, like the relationship. Yeah. The two kind of like competing ideas there. Is mm-hmm. it like kind of like the heart of the film? Like there is this inherent value of life. And then there's ways that like, in order to just live as societies and cultures, we're always kind of looking at it in these like relative ways. And it's, it's, they're hard questions. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's such a good point because we're so manipulated and moved by those stories. So like you could write another movie that's from the perspective, you know, zoom it all the way in Mm -hmm. and do someone's like life and childhood and the struggles they faced and, you know, whatever, getting married, having a kid, going off to war. And it's just mm-hmm. like, everyone's in a puddle of tears by the end. And in this movie, they're the third extra from the end with right. their arm blown off. And, you know, you don't, you just you didn't notice them. You didn't yeah. notice them. And yeah. like, that's, that's mm-hmm. life. Um, everyone has a story, but we can't know everyone's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to interact with everybody as if they have a story. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of our core like problems. Yeah. And just that perspective matters so much. Like you guys were talking about and just like, it always fascinates me the way, like the human ability to like abstract in and out of situations Mm -hmm. and to be able to normalize things is really incredible. Like humans can basically normalize and get used Mm -hmm. to really anything. And so like you see, I don't know why Tim's laughing right now. (laughs) The A&M guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so true. I'm going to ignore that. Uh, um, I have no issue with your point, Ian. I, I think you embody well that said. well. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Uh, I'll just assume you mean that in a good way. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite one. <laughs> Man. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, and yeah, but it, it's interesting because you see like the situation that these guys are in, like the specific team that we're following around and, and, and uh, the, a lot of the people around them, like they need to be making these abstractions and they need to be normalizing things in order to survive. Because if they were like emotionally attached to every single one of the guys that they saw mm-hmm. get killed, I mean, they would be they'd be completely broken. And like, and it is interesting that you see like just that, um, scene where they take that machine gun nest, but then their medic gets shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, and, and then you see the reaction to that of them just wanting to straight up in, in cold blood, kill the guy after that, because you see the, it, it was like, that was somebody that they knew that was right. somebody that they cared about. And you see that reaction versus the reaction of them with the dog tags, which like people they didn't right. know. But then it's hard to fault them because yeah. it's like, should they have the same inner, should they have the same reaction to every single one of those people? Cause they really would be immobile. Like there's, mm-hmm. they couldn't do anything. And it's such an interesting line. I mean, I think just as a human, but as a Christian too, it's like, and even in our globalized world where it's like, if I want to find bad news, it, I can find any amount of bad news. And honestly, like a, continually scrolling amount of bad news because things are constantly happening around the world where it's, you know, it's 
it's five o'clock somewhere <laughs> in, uh, in uh, more morbid way. There's just always- You are becoming that crawler, aren't you? There's always something bad happening somewhere in the world. What, I don't know what time that would be. It would probably wouldn't be five o'clock. I don't know. Um, I should write a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there's, there's just an endless amount of things that can be worried about and that are bad things. And so it's, it's just interesting. Like, where do you draw the line of like caring versus just being able to live your life and not being paralyzed by all of the bad stuff that is out there? Cause we all have to do that somewhere. We can't actually care about everything. We're just too finite. And then like an interesting thought about God though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm. this is the, probably the dumbest movie connection I've ever made, but <laughs> it makes me think of uh, <laughs> that scene in Bruce Almighty. You ever, <laughs> yeah, there was saving private Ryan and Bruce Almighty, yeah. you know, but you didn't see that coming. Um, but it's like, you know, Jim, K- I don't even remember the full setup of the movie, but at some point he like, gets conferred like God, like, like God confers the ability to like hear and answer prayers. Right. And he just gets. It's overwhelming. Overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like he just, it's just like, I think it's depicted in like just his email or AOL, oh, whatever, right. just yeah. getting completely overflown <laughs> right. like by the prayers and supplications right. of just like however many billion people mm-hmm. on earth. And he just is, he went from kind of, if my memory serves, it's this like idea of like judging God and his decisions and like, why did you do this? And then like getting this, yeah. you know, but like God has a, a heart and love for, for people and is alone able to, you know, feel and, and, and perceive and, and whatever the right word is, like the suffering and brokenness in humanity and just all, all, everyone's stories mm-hmm. like at once. Um, how, I don't know, just utterly incapable. And even if we were capable, how it's like, no one's going to sign up for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to like imagine. Yeah. God feeling like seeing all those things and then feeling what, cause you see, I don't know. You mean, you just see Jesus like getting mad. You see him getting sad at evil and at sin yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to even imagine. Like it's hard to even imagine how God could see all that stuff and feel that, but then still be over it and still be who he is and like still be caring for people and like having, I guess having this like bigger mission mm-hmm. picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like I was thinking like you go to like a homeowners association meeting and you have like this defined set of like, however many families and they all have this like shared goal of like caring for the place that they live. And it's like, even that you can't get on the same page of like all the little like concerns and like aspects of people's lives and things that matter to like individuals and individual families. It's like, that is so challenging just in and of itself. And that's like just one aspect of like our life. And it's like, it's, it's incredible. That's something that doesn't even really matter that much. Right. Like, <laughs> doesn't matter what homeowner this guy's association. Not his best. Is. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not matter that much. It's it, I do appreciate this movie. I mean, I, I all of war movies are like this to some degree, but I guess a lot of the just war themes are coming out since we haven't really done one of these movies before. Mm-hmm. Um 
but it does because it's grappling with that uh, mortality and just that there are really serious consequences. If you take the movie seriously, I mean, it does make you think about your life and it makes you think about the things that you take really seriously and the things that you feel like are life and death, but really aren't life and death and just makes you value like him just, you know, talking, want to be home with his wife or like him, uh, like Ryan at the end, telling this story about his brothers who he's never going to see again. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously like some of those are fictional, but like people go through that stuff all the time. And I mean, Mm -hmm. we know people, you know, it's like people die all the time. Um, and maybe not in like that suddenly or whatever that many people, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting, like, I think watching this movie should be like kind of something of a reality check. Like I think at it's, if it's doing, if you're like letting it do what it should do, that should be something of a reality check of like, cause obviously it is fiction, but that doesn't mean the things that it's talking about aren't true. Mm-hmm. That, um, yeah, there's just, we tend to think, take things way more seriously than they should in a lot of ways. And we tend to value things really highly that maybe shouldn't be valued that highly. Yeah, it reminds me of the the adage that like hard times make hard people, mm-hmm. hard people make soft times, soft times make soft people, and mm-hmm. soft people make hard times. Um, and like you know that that you can analyze history through exactly that, you know, over times or generations or whatnot. Um, and I think there's something to that. And I think it's like hard times makes you have to focus on self-sacrifice. Like right. it's imposed on you, right? yeah. <laughs> like, like it or not. Right. You know? And, and so like a lot of these guys are, you know, and it's not like yay war, but the, the amount of, sac- even at the home front, right? Like people had to go without people, you know, no one was untouched. Um, but it created like this indelible, understanding that like life's not about just your mm. personal fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Like it just can't be. And you know, yeah, it, it's kind of, I, I don't know. It's just listening to you kind of made me think of that. Like it is like, like we want to gravitate towards like when there aren't those existential threats mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we're more or less secure, more or less, you know, financially secure, those kind of things. Like, all those other things creep in that pull us away in, into, you know, self-sacrifice because uh, we don't have to. And there's just an inevitable human pull towards if we're not pushed into, you know, like a self-sacrificial orientation um, for the good of other people, you know, for civic duty, whatever it may be. It's drifting happens in one direction. Yeah. I guess is my <laughs> what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. For all of us. Yeah, which is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. It's it's always in that direction. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just funny. Like uh, th- whenever you have something really big like that, it just seems like it really focuses things and it takes away a lot of the gray where it's like at that point you were either helping the war effort or you were hurting the war effort basically. Like there wasn't a lot of middle ground. Like I'm, I'm sure there was some, but there was less. It feels like whereas in like when right now – there's just so much gray area. Like there's not a lot of like good or bad. And, and I mean, you can, you can make a ton of arguments about like whether the way the military is run is, you know, actually good or bad or whatever. But like there was a mission and uh, especially with world war two, it's always looked back at as like 
something good was actually being done there um, from the allies side. And so it makes that makes the like good versus evil uh, comparisons a lot easier than whenever it gets more gray. But just, yeah, whenever in our normal lives right now, there just aren't these like massive moral quandaries. And so it's like, we, we really have to like tread our own path and figure out how we're going to live and what that looks like. And like what, it, because there's so much gray, it's easy to just skate by on like being pretty neutral in some ways. Um, but it, like from a Christian perspective, we're really, I mean, we're very much not called to be that. We're very much called to like live in a way that is self-sacrificial and really live like almost like it's wartime to some degree. But then, but like living that out whenever the physical reality doesn't match that is a lot mm -hmm. harder, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just, a, yeah, it's another one of those perspective things and things that we can kind of abstract either into or out of. And it really depends on like what you're focusing on and what you're actually thinking about in your everyday. It kind of reminds me of the beach, you know, where they're, some people are just stunned. Some, you mm. know, there's this wide range of reactions to like, and there's carnage happening all around them, but it's like not everyone can see it. Not everyone can like interact with it. And uh, I forget who it is. But I think Tom Hanks uh, at some point, he's like, all right, like, let's get in the war. Like mm -hmm. yeah. he, he like yeah. kind of collects right. some guys. He's like, let's get in this thing. And once there's that kind of like call to action, they're able to like, okay, they're able to like switch on and be like, all right, let's do this. Like, and I do think like you're saying, Ian, like it is a little more abstract in everyday life, but like what's true is like, there is carnage all around us. People mm -hmm. are hurting. They are being hurt. Um, like sin is real and it is causing pain and like death. And I think there's ways that we can also just kind of become numb to it or just like in shock and we're mm -hmm. just not seeing it. But part of being a Christian is that your eyes have been opened to the, the realities of what's going on. And it's like, you, you, sometimes you do need that call, like, let's get in the fight. Like, let, you know, which for us is like loving people, caring for them, knowing them, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's the ways that we're meant to be actively involved in the lives of others. Um, but you can, you can lose sight of that and you can become numb to it. And, um, but there's that parallel. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the thought occurred to me earlier and I, it, I lost it before I could speak it, but on the beach and I think just in, in general, like self-preservation, the, the impulse mm -hmm. to hunker down, mm -hmm. the like, holy crap, there's a lot of Germans with a lot of big guns on cliffs. Like, yeah. uh, are you want me to walk towards that? Right. <laughs> you know, that, that part of you that's just like, I made it this mm -hmm. far. I am just going to sit here. And yeah. that scene depicted a few people in that side mm -hmm. and, and they almost inevitably got hit. Yeah. You, even though all that's going on, like you gotta advance, you mm -hmm. gotta go forward. There's a mission to be done mm -hmm. and you're not going to accomplish it. Yeah. Hoping not to get hit. You, right. you gotta be for something. You gotta be straining towards something. And mm -hmm. you just can't, the impulse for self-preservation, it, it's just, it, it doesn't lead to, to good outcomes. And that's not saying that soldiers don't rest or that soldiers don't take right. time off to eat or if they get wounded, they don't go to the hospital and get stitched. Like, that's not mm. what I'm mm -hmm. talking about. But this maybe is a segue to, I think, where Ian was wanting to go and certainly where, where I want to go. Um, a little analysis on, on Upham, private, is it private or whatever? Upham, yeah. the, the translator. Um, 
definitely the most Ian like character. In <laughs> no, oh, wow. I don't I object mean that, to a lot of the. I mean that by he's clearly he's clearly uh, a poet. He's a lover of he's literature. Well he's well read. No, I he don't, is a, I don't a like man this. of culture. No. He is a man of refined tastes. That's all I meant. No, I don't like this. I would I would blend in with those guys. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, just like up Trust me. Yeah, but no, I just wanted to hand the baton off to to you. Like, he, I think he's definitely a fascinating character. Yeah. Um, and one that I yeah. Anyway, I'll. yeah. I mean, he's super interesting. Like, I I just remember seeing this. That was probably the thing that stuck out to me the most whenever I first saw this mm-hmm. is how you want him to be there and you want him to like be there for these guys that have come that he's come so long with and that like by the end, like kind of have adopted him. And then he just like, he just can't do it or he won't do it. And you're, you really don't get a lot of insight. Even Mm -hmm. watching it this time, I was like, I didn't really get where he was at at the end. Cause he sees that same prisoner, the guy that they let go and that he really advocated for. He sees the only reason that guy was the only reason that guy's still alive and he sees him, but then he has the opportunity to shoot him like in active engagement, doesn't do that. And then waits until it's a war crime. Right. Even exactly. though he was advocating yeah. Maybe it. he just wants to make up for it because he didn't shoot him earlier. I, yeah. I mean, he just, the, but it's an, I mean, it feels like realistic. It doesn't feel like outlandish just that he does all these like things that you don't want, especially watching it as like, a teenage boy is just like, what are you doing? You're doing the wrong thing. Like in so many of these situations, you're doing the wrong thing. And so I was kind of keyed into him while I was watching this just cause he does have such an interesting arc and I knew how it turns out. And I mean, this, the end, that scene is brutal whenever they're fighting with that knife and he's walking up the stairs and you're like, what are you doing? Get up there. And he won't. And you're, man, I, I remember watching that for the first time because yeah, and low key, I think one of the most disrespectful moments in all of movie history <laughs> oh, yeah. is when the German guy comes down the yeah, stairs, yeah. sees him. He's holding a gun. Yeah, yeah, he's literally, yeah. And he just looks at him and he just completely sizes him up of yeah. like, that guy might yeah. as well have a water gun. Yeah. yeah. Not afraid at all. Doesn't shoot it. Doesn't give him the dignity of shooting him. Right. The yeah. enemy combatant with a gun on the stairwell after yeah. having just plunged a knife in the other guy. Just... Yeah. Just doesn't say anything to him. Just looks at him and then assesses him like a puppy dog mm-hmm. and just moves. It. And walk, walks past walks him, past turns him. his back he to him even, with the gun. I mean, yeah. That's low key, like uh, one of the biggest, most disrespectful yeah. Oh, like, yeah. burns yeah. of like, I mean, that, he, he destroyed him. Of ever, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that is a, a, they really underplay it too. But yeah. anyway. No, it's, it's a great, I mean, it's brutal, but yeah, yeah it's, it's brutal. really well done. But I think one of the things that I keyed in on was that, up, um, like I was, I was kind of trying to figure out this time, like, w- what is his arc? Like, where does he come from? Where does he go? And one of the things that I noticed about him is that he is very self-obsessed. Like he, mm-hmm. he's just always looking at things through the lens of like his experience. And, <laughs> uh, so that doesn't sound like anybody that we know. So moving on from that. <laughs> No, but he, there's a point wherever, I think it's in the church 
And it is. And Captain Miller kind of asks him how he's doing and everything. And he's like, oh, like, I think this is good for me. And he kind of goes on this, like, mm-hmm. spiel. And I think he quotes some poet and... <laughs> it, it, like Dostoevsky too. <laughs> or, you know. It's not Dostoevsky. I, I definitely would have remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, I also really like that scene because Captain Miller recognized it and he, he names mm. the poet. And Upham's like, oh, like, you know, kind of looking at him to be like, oh, like, we're intellectuals here. And Captain, he, he like, the captain kind of brushes it off. He's like, yeah, whatever. Like, that's not what's important here. And, like, that was kind of the tone that I got from that conversation of Captain Miller in the nicest way is kind of saying, like, that's not really what has worth here. And, like, I, I yeah, like, I love reading. I love, like, being academic and pretentious and all that stuff, even though I have no credentials for it. (laughs) That's part of what makes it so fun. But I do also think that it's important to recognize when that has value or when it's fun or whatever. And when it like absolutely does not have value and Upham doesn't have that. And there's a certain argument that like, maybe that's just who he is, but I I don't know. I, I don't see that. And I think part of why he isn't able to change and part of why he isn't able to grow throughout the film is because he has this idea of himself and he's too locked into it and he's too locked into seeing everything that he sees like through himself. He doesn't, Mm -hmm. he's not able to see the bigger picture and to see the bigger mission and to give himself to that. So I don't know, what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Bill Parcells, if they don't bite when they're puppies, they don't bite when they're big. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, uh, I, I agree. I think um, he is a fascinating character because, like, I I feel for him, and then I'm frustrated by him. Yeah. And, like, I have like a wide range of like emotions when it yeah. when it comes to him when I watch his story because it's like he it's like well, you join the army, kind of like the the conversation that Captain Miller first has with them. It's like, what did you expect? Right. Like, yeah. What did you think was happening in basic training when they put a gun in your hands and you shot it? Like, and he seems to think like, okay, that was just whatever. Now I'm this interpreter and I write articles. And, mm-hmm. Um, so that's frustrating. But then it's like, you also see that, um, I, I agree with what you're saying he's not, he's also, he's just not that guy. Like he's not a warrior. He's not right. a fighter. Like, yeah. He's definitely not by nature. There's a, like w- when that battle first begins on the bridge, like he's in it, you know, he's mm-hmm. running around, he's, he's carrying the ammo. Like he seems to be playing a part that's like appropriate to him. And, right. Like, who yeah. He is. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, he doesn't turn into Rambo either. He doesn't turn into Captain America. Right. Like, yeah. And he's not up in the, in the right. clock tower, like yeah, picking sniping through, people. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's like, and then he has this moment that you've already described where it's just like, you can tell it's, just, it's a moment that's like too big for him. It's mm-hmm. overwhelming. And, when he meets that overwhelming moment, he just reverts back to that, mm-hmm. you know, that like, um, more kind of like self-focused or however you want to describe it, um, person. And it's, I know it's interesting. What, like, what is the movie saying with that? Like it's. Yeah. I, you know, I was describing earlier seeing this in the, the movie theater and 
my takeaways being that D-Day invasion. Why wasn't Matt Damon in this movie earlier? <laughs> the third one, and it's just like, it's a time machine back there. Like, yeah. I had such a strong yeah. reaction right. to of him. Like, I considered him the worst villain in yeah. cinematic yeah. history. Yeah. I was like, I hate that when guy. When I yeah. saw this in the theater, yeah. I legitimately, I remember like being mad about him. I carried that with me yeah. for like a week. Mm-hmm. I would like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I can't believe he <laughs> let that guy. Up yeah. <laughs> I, I like legitimately, it just nestled in my soul and yeah. I would get mad of like the cowardice. Yeah. And it's such a brilliantly acted, I mean, even the cast thing, he's so slight. Yeah. And the conflict he's feeling, he knows he's being a coward. And like mm-hmm. this whole movie is just, Covered with sacrifice and these, mm-hmm. these, you know, and, and up of himself, like he tagged like to an, you know, he, he was who he was. Um, and it, there's that infuriating, like you're letting it's one thing to just cower behind a tree, you know, because you you lost your nerve, but like right. your cowardice led to the deaths of all. He's like, like listening right. to it, right? Yeah, he's listening a, yeah, to he's it, he's right there. It's not like man. indirectly, he was right. aware, hiding behind a tree, and like, all you had to do was just. Like distract the guy, <laughs> let the guy who's about to get killed do the killing for you. Right, if you can't yeah. just, just yeah. be a distraction, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you had a gun. Just go up there and yell or something. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, something. And and yeah. he couldn't, you know, and, and he's agonizing over it. And yeah. it's such this depiction in, anyway, I think, especially for like guys, it's like, you can be a lot of things like a coward who yeah. lets your brothers down. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to get yeah. lower than that. And kind of the, the guy economy. Um, and I think it does a great job of like bringing that out of you watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as I've gotten like older and mature, you know, yeah. like you have a very sympathetic, but not wrong, like right. take on it. Like he, he was miscarried. He didn't sign up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like you were saying earlier, like <laughs> your assignment changes all the time. And, and no. no one was saying charge this hill slow, like alone right. and, and take down this machine right. gunner. Yeah. It's shoot a guy in the back who's murdering <laughs> the guy, right? I mean, yeah. it's the easiest, right. yeah. pretty much the easiest assignment you could have, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I understand it's difficult taking a, yeah. a human life, but then he does it a couple, right. like and not the very long later. Yeah. And I think that has a way... And I don't, at first I thought it was meant to be this like redemptive arc of like, look, he had the cojones mm, right. after all. I yeah. don't think that's the intended. I don't think so yeah. either. I agree with that. And yeah. I think it shows just how war isn't logical. Yeah. And, and people yeah. rise to occasions and people shrink from occasions yeah. and hardened people crack and, and people you overlook rise to the occasion at times. And I think at the core of it though, it, it's the, to me anyway, I go back to this idea of like self like preservation. Like yeah. he dipped his toe in the war effort. Like, like he mm. wanted, uh, you know, yeah, I'll shoot a gun in basic, but I'm here to interpret. I'm here to write articles. My German is flawless. My friend, you know, whatever yeah. slight accent he had, he was clean. And that's what he signed up for. And that is a legitimate help in the yeah. war effort. I, you know, right. I'm not saying otherwise, but it's right. also... You know, if you get to pick, you know, like, I don't want to be the one with the bullets shooting at me. I want to be sure, that guy. Yeah. Like, he didn't want to make the ultimate risk and the ultimate sacrifice. Um, and so his commitment wasn't all the way. Like, those yeah. other guys were all the way committed. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to be. And I think there is something about, like, you know, all the training, like Aaron, have you have described, and just 
going through even surviving D-Day, like they all understood their own mortality mm. and they just, they had to wrestle with it. They had to reckon with it. They had to somehow cope with it and they had to put one foot after the other and like live with it. Um, cause they weren't going to be the reason someone else like died. And he just wasn't part of all that. He, he mm. wouldn't developed in, in some ways he was put in a position he hadn't been prepared for. Um, and so he hadn't been hardened and that would have been like formed or kind of hardened in him. Mm. It would have had to have. Had he survived D-Day in one of those boats and advanced up the beachhead and gone up there, he probably wouldn't have shrunk in that moment Mm -hmm. at the end. But but he didn't, you know, not from his own. It's just that that wasn't what he he went through. But to me, it kind of points to this idea of like preparedness. And like you were saying earlier, like the military takes great pains and they do all these exercises Mm -hmm. and they try to form decision-making, all the things you were saying earlier. Um, And it shows like what happens when people who aren't prepared in roles are asked to perform in roles. Um, it's not that you're always going to fail, but that there's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And there is some like metaphor for life where I remember when I was young and I saw like, I hated him. Right. And I was like, I never want to be that. And then it's like, you live long enough and your life does become this tapestry of moments where like you did rise up and you did meet the challenge and it was scary, but you did it. And then there's moments that you're not proud of where you shrank. Yeah. And that's like, the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, I, I still don't like up him, but I understand him. Yeah. And, it, and part of what I don't like is that it holds the mirror up to me. Yeah. And I'm like, I've been that, I've shrank before. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously not in those circumstances, but it, and it hurts. And it's, and I think, um, like you're saying, like, I don't see the, when Upham kills the, the German, as this redemptive thing, but I think a piece of it is like the pain of right. like, mm-hmm. he had the mirror held up to himself. He got to look at who he really is. He can't hide behind French books and right. poetry. Like, this is who you really are. This is, or maybe not completely, but this exists in you. This yeah. is a part of who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, and like, that hurts when you have those moments in life where you're like, dang it. Like, I don't like knowing that that's in me or that's mm-hmm. a part of me. And it, it really does hurt. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's it's incredible to put that in a movie, especially a war movie, because war movies are typically about right. the heroes and the right. people who do rise, and right. they celebrate that. And that that's a real aspect of war. That does happen, but there's these moments too, and it's interesting to see it. Yeah, I was glad that they put it in there because it feels almost off from the rest of the movie. Because the rest of the guys, they're all they're just bought in and they're kind of doing their thing. And even if they're rough or like they're arguing with the captain, like. They're still, they're still there and they're still yeah. doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, which I, I think also, I mean, that just kind of says something too. Like you can, you can like dress something up and you can always have like, you have the guy, I, I forget his name, but the guy who's from Brooklyn, like he has it on oh, his. Ed Burns. Yeah. yeah. And Ryden, he, uh, yeah, like he's like constantly arguing with the captain, but like at the end of the day, he's with him mm-hmm. the whole time. And he's like. He, he, he's only one of the guys, he's like one of the very few people who actually survives, but he's like through, through no, like, you know, scheming of his own. Like he's with the captain the whole time. He's like running around, he's doing stuff whenever they're fighting in the town at the end. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't think it's worth, like, he doesn't think Ryan is worth it, but he's there. And then, you know, and he's like falling back to the bridge. Like he's in the fight the entire time. And then somehow he survives, but like, he didn't really necessarily do it willingly. Like he, 
well, I guess he did do it willingly. He didn't have like the best attitude about it, but I think he did it. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's just like parallels there. I feel like of, and there's a, there's a parable actually where it talks about that, where it's like, there's the two sons and one of them says like, I think it's like talking about farming because always <laughs> talking about farming, but it's like who, you know, so maybe they're not sons, whatever they're workers, something. And the guy, the guy goes to one of them and says like, Hey, will you go out and like, you know, go plant some stuff or whatever he asked him to do. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'll go do it. And then he, and then he doesn't go do it. And the other mm-hmm. guy, he goes up to him and he says like, Hey, can you go do this? And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. But then later he goes and does it. And he says, and Jesus says like, well, who was it who actually did the will of the father? Uh, and, and so it's just an interesting, I think I'm always interested by just stories like that of like the people who don't look the part or who don't look like clean or like they're the ones who are following, but who actually end up doing the work at the end of the day. And then you have the guys who it's like, really have an idea of who they are and who they want to be. And they like present themselves well, but then at the end of the day, like don't actually add that much value by what they're doing. And yeah, I feel like in Upham, like, and it's hard because he is sympathetic. Like you see, I I agree with everything that you were saying, Aaron, and that is part of why it's so hard to watch. Mm. Um, But at the same time, like, yeah, it's just this idea of like you, he, he just presented himself as somebody who like, not it could rise up to those situations necessarily, but I think just he had the, his version of the world and he was kind of like ready to do anything in his world. But once his world got broadened and he was asked to do other things, he was like, well, like I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I think just that's something that just is constantly happening to us in different ways, mm-hmm. just as humans. And, and I think especially following God where it's like, we kind of have our little world and we say like, okay, these are the boundaries that I play in and this is what, what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. But then eventually that gets broadened and we can either react like hostily to that or we can like shy away from it or act hostily towards it. And that a lot of that is just personality or you can just embrace it and say like, well, the world is a lot bigger than I thought it was. And, that you, we just are called to do things that we're not super comfortable with a mm-hmm. lot of the time. It's funny. It's, uh, I almost don't want to meet the 20 year old who doesn't hate up them with everything. Right. In right. And I don't want to meet the 40 year old who yeah. doesn't soften. And, yeah. And and see that. Them, yeah. yeah. I do think yeah. it's one of yeah. those it's true. eye of the beholder as mm-hmm. you age, kind of, you change your opinion on, yeah. on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Which is part of, I mean, he's really well done, yeah. like really well written, and he's just understandable, I think, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that scene is rough. Every time I watch this, mm-hmm. it's, it's so rough. All right, any other like um, gospel connections come to mind as you kind of think about the different parts of the film? I think for me, the biggest one was whenever they're, they're about to take that, the radar machine gun. And he's talking about, he's like, they're like, well, like we don't have to do this, you know? And, and he brings up the example of like, yeah, but if we don't do this now, you know, other people are going to do it. But then he kind of says like, well, what? They're like, well, this isn't our objective. And he says, well, like, I thought the objective was to win the war. Like, I thought yeah. we had, and I, it just was interesting to me. And I feel like that, and then just this idea of, like, 
is it worth it for them? Cause they bring up this idea multiple times of like, well, here's nine guys trying to save one guy's life. And, and then you see them, you see multiple of them die. So it's like from a utilitarian perspective, it's like that didn't make sense at all. If you're looking just purely by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, it was interesting to me of just like this bigger picture and I'm not sure I have this fully formed, but it's almost the same thing that I was talking about of up on where like, it's so easy to get this idea of like, this is what the world is going to be. And so like for them, their world, even if it wasn't necessarily what they wanted it to be was like, okay, we're going on this mission to find this private Ryan, anything that we can do to accomplish that mission and to be safe. That's what we're going to do. Those were, that was like how big their world was. But then Captain Miller had this like bigger perspective and he was like, well, actually we're doing, we're part of this bigger mission And it was just, I feel like it hit me that like a lot of times I can put, maybe this is just the same thing that I just said, but we can put these blinders on or I can put these blinders on of like, this is what my life is going to look like. Mm. But I think a lot of the time, like God isn't saying like, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen. It's more of just like, you can be part of things that are really good And like, I'm going to ask you to be part of those things, but they're probably going to be unexpected. And so like what God calls us to isn't just to live a life according to like some plan or just to like follow these rules. Mm -hmm. He lives us. He like wants us to live in a way where we're involved in the mission of like human flourishing essentially. And just like doing Mm -hmm. good. Like it Mm -hmm. talks about how he's set aside good works for us to do before. Um, And so I, I, I don't know. I like that perspective of like, in one sense, they were right. They're like, yeah, that wasn't their mission. That wasn't their specific mission. And so like taking that machine gun was kind of off task and dangerous, but in another sense, in a bigger sense, actually that was performing exactly what they were there to do. Cause if they weren't there to like, you know, kill Nazis, it's like, why were they in Europe? Well, you know, that's like the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was interesting. I think like that perspective shift is really helpful and just, mm it's good to remember that there's Mm -hmm. something bigger going on. And Mm -hmm. especially here, I just feel like anytime our plans get knocked out of shape, it's like, okay, this is like, this cannot be the will of God. (laughs) Like there's no way this is it. You get locked into your little Avenue of the war. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it starts to feel like this is the most important thing in this war. Yeah. And it is an important aspect, but there's a whole war happening right. yeah. and you need to yeah. like keep that perspective. And there's usually like a self-preservation element yeah. to it. I right. don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to risk. Right. Exactly. This is, yeah. yeah. You want me to do that? Mm-hmm. I might die. Right. I yeah. can go around the thing. Yeah, Someone else like, might die. Right. Yeah. I like that other option way better. Yeah. Well, it's like, and I'm good at this thing that I'm right. doing right now. I don't know if I'm good at this right. other thing yeah. over yeah. here. Yeah. Which requires actual, you know, that requires actual trust too from yeah. the spiritual perspective. And even another aspect of that is like, we've talked about this before, Aaron, but just like, there's so many times where like people are doing good things and they're like, Oh, like, why aren't you doing this good thing that I'm doing? Like, right. come on. And it's like, well, that's great. But like God's doing so many things in so many different areas. And right. like, we don't have time to do everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's not that we have to always broaden our perspective and like do everything all the time. Right. It's just like, it's just being able to listen and discern and picking right. those battles that you are going to fight in. And then mm-hmm. once you do that, you just go all in, mm-hmm. in that. Ian's like, I'm an interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's like hitting me like with this, you know, war talk. It's like when the call is like come and die. Yeah. How can you take anything off the table? Right. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. How can yeah. you be like, nope, not that. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like everything's up for grabs. Once you see it in that bigger picture, it's like, well, anything's up for grabs. Like you can be asked to do anything at all. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? No, I mean, the, um, I already forgot what I said, but whatever the thing I said. <laughs> it was so good. Said, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> if you don't remember what I said, <laughs> it's okay, because I don't either. But, um, yeah, I'm blanking, but yeah, I've already yeah. said it. I think I'm just going to take the, the kind of straightforward, low-hanging fruit, um, because this film's bookended by, mm-hmm. right, it opens with the mm-hmm. the old Ryan with his family. You get to see a sense of his legacy, right? You yep. get to see wife and kids and grandkids and, you know, like, all this life that flows mm. through him. And he's coming to pay respects. And, you, you know, in the beginning, you don't know who it is. And you kind of jump back in time into the 40s. And then it ends with Captain Miller saying, earn this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to the kind of current day and you see him and he has clearly taken that to heart and he wants the movie kind of ends in the sort of tearjerker moment of like to his wife of like, tell me I'm a good man, like Mm -hmm. that I earned this. Um, And so like there's two ways there's this, that's despite all the heartstrings, right? That that's the classic definition of legalism, right? Like that, that is, if we encounter the gospel as Jesus, he's just a, I love it as a metaphor because it shows Miller yeah. willingly laid, like, even he's kind of stumbling to get the, you know, and he gets yeah. shot. He was not exactly hiding at that mm-hmm. point. And then it's almost cruel because, like, the, the plane comes right, in. Yeah. It's just like, like, it just yeah. held on, you know. Mm-hmm. But he did. Yeah, it's this picture of, of selfless, and, and that's consistent with Captain Miller um, dying for his men, essentially. I and mean, all these guys came you know, in sort of were innocent in, in protecting and dying for, for Ryan and they bought him life by exchanging his own. Um, and so you feel it and it's developed over almost three hours and you get the sense of that burden, which I think sometimes as Christians, it's just like, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. Like, mm. cool. You know, and, and we lose touch with, with how undeserved that is or how, like, what, what how sacrificial that was, what it was like to, to kind of, descend into hell, to, to bear the wrath of, of, of God, to, to become sin, to have the rift of the perfect Trinitarian relationship, to become, you know, just sin and, and all those kind of things that we can't even comprehend. Um, but you get it in that moment, the, the weight that, that is on his shoulders. Um, and so when that's turned towards earnness, um, you know, he felt the obligation to, to be a good man, to marry, to whatever, to whatever it is to be a good man, you know, for an American in his generation. Um, but I really like it if you, because on I, 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 a very straightforward sense, that's legalism. <laughs> you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And that's not grace. That's not what the gospel is. It's, it's antithetical to the gospel. Like Jesus died for us. Um, but instead of saying earn this, we do have scripture that says like live a life mm-hmm. <laughs> worthy of the gospel. Yeah. And it's, you're accepted, you're loved. Like, like Jesus willingly died, you know, and, and this Miller dies for Ryan. What are you going to, having 
gotten that second chance or haven't gotten this lease on life, having this wonderful man who just wants to go back to his wife lay down for you, you're going to piss it away. Not because you have to owe anything to Ryan. Ryan's gone or uh, Miller's gone. Mm -hmm. But with that gift, how, you know, and it, you can see, you know, the movie doesn't, you know, but you see it changed him. It mm. indelibly left a mark on him that he no longer lived just for like his pleasure, whatever that may be. But he lived with this focus and intensity and, and honestly the call to be worthy of what this guy and the other guys did in, in securing like his, his future. And it is kind of a beautiful moment when you mm -hmm. view it that way, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, it, it, I don't think it's out of the spirit and certainly, you know, Spielberg's not kind of trying to make this gospel message, but it's a very clear <laughs> overlay and, mm -hmm. and a very, yeah. it's what I like about the film is like, it, it makes that, if you make that connection and if you're willing to use that as a metaphor, you feel the emotional weight. And so rather than having to live as a Christian to like earn this, <laughs> mm. you get to live as a Christian to, 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 show how much that mattered mm -hmm. uh, not through your perfection but it's reflecting back you know as for a Christian to, to ultimately to Christ but, but you know in God's plan of redemption um, and I just like the, the the gratitude even in his old age bringing his whole family back yeah. to go and say like the gratitude that he felt mm -hmm. and his days are numbered at that age he's elderly you know however many days or years or whatever um but it never left him. He clutched that like in his heart. And, and I think it, it served to, to navigate a lot of the decisions. And he seems to be a, you know, there's only limited knowledge, but it seemed to be a supportive, loving mm -hmm. family you yeah. know, around him. Like he gets to look back, you know, and it's not that I earned this, but that, you know, mm -hmm. this is almost like, this is my token of appreciation to you. Cause I think Miller would have looked at that in, in, in approval approval. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like he's a guy he who was devoted yeah. to his wife who yeah. wanted to just yeah. teach school children, you know, and you see this, right. like he lived a life. Yeah, like that's he, in line with what he probably in line with what he wanted. He didn't mean go become president. Exactly. Or, right. You know. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I like it as a little window into that. Yeah, I agree. And it is interesting too, because you don't get very much information on Ryan, like old Ryan. And, because you do have that moment with his wife where he's like, he's basically asking like, did I do a good right. enough job? And it's, I agree with you. I think you're right. I think it is supposed to be like the, the good side of all of it. Right. And it's like the gracious side and everything. But I think you also see that like, that's a hard thing yeah. to live up to. It's, and you, yeah. it's like, how could you ever yeah. like, not even just Captain Miller, but like, he, he learned that like two of their guys died before they even found him. And right. then he saw all the rest of them die. And that's a, I mean, that's just a hard thing to live up to, to, and for him to explicitly say like, you better earn this. That's mm. a hard thing to live under. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a helpful illustration in that way too. Like, uh, yeah, I, t I totally agree. I'd take it in the good sense, but also like it's that, I think that also is a helpful illustration. If you're just imagining like the weight of that and like, if we really did have to earn it, like how hard that would be and even how much of a grace yeah. that we don't have to right. and like how we should really, right. but we don't. And like how much that actually matters or like if the idea, I, I feel like it's easy to have this idea of like, okay, yeah, like grace is good. But like if I did have to earn it, it's like I probably could do pretty well at least, yeah. you know? And it's just mm. like, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I feel like everything that you just said, seeing the sacrifice really lends itself to imagining what that would actually look like and how would you, how you would feel of like after he lived this whole life and he's like, did I even do it? Like, I don't right. even know. I don't know if right. I did well enough or not. Right. Which is, I mean, that's a hard place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does fit in uh, like Miller's calculation where he's saying, you know, he hopes that each, each life right. that it yeah. costs, he's hoping that that saves you right. know, more lives. And you do see that in that, like, because of the lives of eight men, there are now these like generations of family and yeah. what seems to be likely like more and more generations mm-hmm. that will go on because of their sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's kind of the, it's also kind of the idea in the Mrs. Bixby letter from Lincoln where it's like, right. you made this incre- incredible sacrifice, sacrifice as an individual family. But because of that, like the union is grateful, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the union exists because mm-hmm. of people like you. Um, so, which is that the Christian idea of like through, through the death of one, like many right. have life, mm-hmm. you know, generations. Time to rate? Time to rate. rate. What are we going to rate on? <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that's not like, to <laughs> yeah. your point yeah. earlier, yeah. that's not too like, <laughs> too uh, flippant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like your sticky bombs. Sticky bombs. Sticky bombs. Let's sticky sticky bombs. bombs. Yeah. Okay. I like sticky bombs. Yeah. Uh, man, I didn't really actually think about what rating I wanted to give this. You've rated it on the. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Whatever the are, app is. Yeah, but I don't like to put my real rating on there until <laughs> we do the podcast. Let's see. Are you wearing socks? <laughs> uh, yeah. Your general issue GI YouTube <laughs> yeah. socks. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to make sticky bombs? Oh, well, we got to see <laughs> how many sticky know. bombs we get. Yeah, that's true. Uh, good thing I'm wearing two pairs of socks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll give it... <laughs> I'm really struggling with this. I know. I'll give it uh, 4.25. Um... All right, what's up with that? <laughs> Wait, no. I feel like that's a high rating. He feels like Upham wasn't treated well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Surely right. a man who's a poet warrior deserves <laughs> a better warrior. He's practically I King like David. I don't yeah. like these comparisons. All right, I'll give it four and a half. I'll give it four and a half. Um, yeah, I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know why I wouldn't give it five. Just because you're... There's something deep within you that feels like you've given too many fives. Yeah, I have given a lot of Oppositional fives. nature. No, no, no. I don't feel like that's it. I, I, I didn't really like know anything. I feel like I you're honoring America by being obstinate about <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. Maybe it'll come to me. I don't know. I'm going to give it four and a half for now. <laughs> and four and a half sticky bombs. That's a lot. You can still blow up a lot of stuff with that many sticky bombs. So I feel like that's still pretty good. You can, but um, not as much as 4.75 <laughs> sticky bombs oh, to blow up. <laughs> I was actually going to go 4.5, but I'm, I went up rate higher than Ian. So uh, that's my reason. 4.75. Okay. I, I, uh, I was trying to think of, I was going to do something like 4.74 with like yeah. that being like July 4th, oh, like 74 yeah. oh, or something. Yeah, yeah. that'd be a good one. Yeah, that was a good rating. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll match Aaron's 4.75. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I band of brothers. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. There we go. We stick together. Wow. Oh, for you, simplify. Like socks. All right, well, like uh, I'm changing mine then. <laughs> Ian's the trend. And Aaron and I <laughs> are the socks. I oh, I don't is. know that I've done like a extensive. <laughs> I, I think this is probably my favorite war movie. Mm. I, I think there's that's heavily influenced by a generation. You know, I know mm. like Apocalypse Now or Platoon. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some. Classic, you know, and there's probably, I don't know, has there been a great war movie for, eh. yeah. Gen Z doesn't deserve a good war yeah, movie. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think for like, certainly, and I mean, there's plenty of candidates, but I just love the, I guess it's like Spielberg at his best where mm-hmm. he, he makes mm-hmm. accessible movies, but he makes them really, really well. He yeah. understands all the kind of camera stuff and just how to like visually unfold a story, um, but stay locked in on characters. Um, I think other war movies, I think maybe this is where, it, so I'm saying that I think it is my personal favorite as far as what I enjoy. And, and Aaron right. and I have talked a lot about some movies you just, you mm-hmm. know, and it's a war movie, so it's never like, Oh, Hey, what do I feel like watching, you know, on a random Friday night? But I do think there are other war movies that tap into some of the big arc drama mm-hmm. pieces of it. This is a little more of a, and they're, they're, we, we just spent two hours talking. <laughs> so like it does tap into some of that, but I do think there's some more transcendent kind mm-hmm. of epic dimensions to, to war stories that, to the, I think it makes the movie better that it's focused and not trying to, you know, the, I think it's almost like you want that. There are other movies that do it fantastic. Like I'm mm-hmm. not going to try to do that. I'm going to do this. And I think what it does um, is really, really powerful and compelling, but it just nicks off that last little toe. There's a, there's a <laughs> hole in the toe of the sticky bomb sock. <laughs> Doesn't quite get all the way there, but that's my explanation. Yeah. I can see that. You guys want to hear my explanation or should I just leave it? I was trying to decide whether I should say it or not. Go ahead. I'll just go for it. People already don't like me on this podcast. Oh, wow. I think what I was trying to think about it, and this is what I was thinking about while I was watching it too, is that, I I mean, I really like it. And I agree. I think this is like Spielberg at his best, but it does feel Spielberg-y. Like it's, it's still theatrical. Yeah. And I think that's the thing where, I think it does, it does a great job. He still is like putting war, like real war stuff into it. I mean, the D-Day scene is incredible. Um, but it, yeah, it's still like the, the sniper guy who's just like running around with these other guys, but for some reason he's a sniper and it's like, why are you here? And then he's like, yeah, he has, he's like doing the Bible verse stuff. And like, it's awesome. Like whenever I first saw this, I was like, that's the coolest guy ever, but it's, it's just, it's very theatrical. And I think that's what, that's what keeps it from being like a perfect movie for me is it feels a little bit over the top. I think the, the German they let go being the exact same guy who, right. it, it makes for very compelling and yeah. it, it makes you hate, you know, up yeah. that much more, it brings it all back, but it yeah. makes it feel yeah. theatric. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the, the, the prime example for me. Yeah. And I think whenever you're dealing with something that heavy, the theatrics can take away a little bit. Cause it's like the content is already there. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, especially when you're dealing with World War II, D-Day. I mean, there's just, there's so much that's already there. Yeah. But I mean, I think it plays well. I think it just, it doesn't, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, maybe it's just not my, my thing. Well, surely you have a recommendation. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I have some recommendations. <laughs> I always have recommendations. I was going to do, uh, just going along with like, Invasion things on the beach. I was oh, gonna wow. do uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Again. <laughs> do you like beaches getting invaded? I just yeah, it's a fun. It's, it's like fun. if you do D Day every day. Right. Yeah, exactly. You just do it all the time. But there's aliens. I mean, come on. The only. The only oh, never mind. All right, uh, but I'm not, that actually isn't one of my recommendations. <laughs> Bonus recommendation. Um, actually you were talking about favorite war movies. Yeah. I think this might be my favorite is Black Hawk Down. Mm. That is a, a great movie, man. I, That's actually as like kind of meat grindery as like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. That movie was like probably one of the only times I'm just like, that, that was too much. Mm. I, I only saw it once and mm. I, I was like. The gore, and not that it was, I had, it wasn't that I conceptually was like, this is out of bounds. I just, Mm. I don't know, maybe it was the day, but. It's pretty brutal. It's very brutal. It's brutal, yeah. I remember I read the book whenever I was, I don't know, probably in high school at some point, and then I watched the movie, and they just do a really good job of, like, it's very, very close to the book, and I think he Mm. did, the author, I don't remember his name at all, but I think he, like, interviewed a bunch of the guys, Mm. and, like, as far as I know, it's very accurate, Um, and that actually, that has some, uh, like, pretty well-known people now as well. It was an incubator for a lot of people. It was, it was kind of in the same way, yeah, it had, like, Ewan McGregor and Mm. Orlando Bloom and some other people, I I don't know, actually. Was he? I, I could see wrong. that. Yeah, I but it was, was kind of the same thing where yeah. it, yeah, it had like people that got big, but whenever they were lesser known, um, yeah, it, that I really like that movie a lot. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's mm-hmm. really well done. And then I just I keep coming back to Band of Brothers. It's like it's one it's of my fantastic. favorite yeah. like TV show movie things. It's just yeah. It's like one, I think it's just one of the best well-made. Um, if they, it's David Schwimmer as like the bad guy, like whatever trainer guy. That's oh, like yeah. the one yes. part. It's just like, yeah. really? Yeah. Was Friends that popular? Right. That you yeah. felt like you had to like, like had to, yeah. that's the one yeah. like, what were you thinking? Yeah. And other than that, it's like perfect. Yeah. 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 It's great. It's, it's just so well done and yeah, and definitely. And it's World War II and yeah. Yeah. It's a great David story. Schumer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's in a foxhole just talking, he won't shut up about Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> just like, please. Dinosaur bones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are mine too. Nice. Um, I actually really liked uh, what you were talking about, Tim, with the, the kind of like progression of history mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the way that culture is just massively shaped by, you know, certain events and then the things that that produces. And, and I think it's fascinating the ways that, um, it's been a cockroach flying around yeah. this whole time. It's like, <laughs> I hate it. It's like a little up. Aaron's about yeah. to declare war. Yeah, it feels like we have our own little war going on in here. It's about to go up. Yeah. Em. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think it's fascinating to see 
what kind of one generation begets. And, mm-hmm. and, um, so in that line of thinking, I think it would be interesting to watch, um, a movie that was made before this one, but that actually depicts a, just a moment in history that timeline one com- timeline comes after is uh, fast times at Ridgemont high. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, the okay. like kind of like, it's this period when America is just starting to like boom, you know, yeah. you have shopping malls and like kids are like the freedom and the kind of like prosperity almost like within youth culture um, is just like mm. taking off. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting. Like I've been sitting here since you said that, like kind of thinking about these two movies and just like, this is the same culture, the same nation that, mm-hmm. Mm. produce these generations and it, I find it fascinating to think about the the mm-hmm. connections mm-hmm. and how that happens so wait when is that set is that 70s or 80s <sighs> I want to say like 80s yeah, okay it's 80s okay mm. I haven't seen that yeah I mean just I mean in a nutshell right like the greatest generation comes back from World War II Europe's leveled and so America springs to prominence by rebuilding and it's how they become America, you know, you get the cold war, but ascends to be an economic superpower. So you get the suburbs, you get, you know, prosperity jobs, you know, women had entered the workforce in a lot of ways and in the war effort and you get that, but they're all emotionally damaged from that, (laughs) you know? And so they raise children who are prosperous, but aren't, you know, not just, there's some emotional damage there, which begats the hippies. Mm. (laughs) And then Vietnam swings, you know, that way, the seventies with some doom and gloom and inflation, all those things. But then eighties is when the hippies grow up to become the yuppies and, you know, lived, you know, Vietnam's still in their rear view mirror, but it yeah. was you know, going into the nineties. It was this time of just my Tim's history. Yeah. In two yeah, minutes, but, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I also am fascinated by what it's just the, the pendulum swings, mm. the overcorrections of the sins of the previous generation. <laughs> and it's, we can never quite settle, <laughs> yep. you know, which is what's so interesting about like the kingdom of God, mm. you know, but that's a, a different conversation. Uh, I thought for sure to the point where I almost took it off my list that Aaron was going to do thin red line. Yeah. Um, they're contemporaries. They came out the yeah. same year. Yeah. They were both nominated. They're both considered defining, you know, war movies. It was Malik after what, 20 years of yeah. uh, something like that. Every, it seemed like Hollywood star who wasn't in yeah. <laughs> saving Private the Ryan, rest of them all of them went to thin red line. And it was almost like, Thin Red Line is like if you had a movie full of like uppums and exploring. (laughs) It's just a, it's Malick's take on World War II in a, you know, if if Spielberg has his mark on Saving Private Ryan and all of his. Guadalcanal or I can't remember. It's in the Pacific. Um, I forget exactly too. I think it's Guadalcanal. But yeah, I I just was so sure Aaron would say that, that I didn't even really, but it deserves being said now. So I'm giving credit to Aaron for that one, even if it came out of my (laughs) mouth. Um, to me, uh, Dunkirk, uh, I like to trash on Nolan a lot in this podcast, but I think Dunkirk, the historical nature of that film and its place in British, like their culture and imagination kept him from, uh, overcomplicating things and allowed his strengths as a storyteller and filmmaker to shine. And it's a very well shot. The sound of that movie is incredible. 
Um, and just the depictions of mm-hmm. like D-Day is like super dramatic in its own right, but like Dunkirk and the evacuation, like that doesn't go yeah. well, that war ends. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, a real underrated, at least in this country, underrated um, kind of crucial turning point in, in Western history. Um, and then the movie that I didn't name uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> at the uh, beginning, yeah. and uh, this is a far inferior, but maybe fun, or, or at least, I don't know, fun you can say about any war movie, but um, <laughs> scene that's comparable to, in my mind to the D-Day scene is uh, Enemy at the Gates, oh, the Russian yeah. sniper movie. Oh, yeah. There's yes. an early in yeah. that movie yeah. where there's like, is yep. it Stalingrad, whatever, one of the battles, but it's yeah. the Russian perspective and you just see like the Russian leader. It's just, yeah. you see some of the differences in the military styles and cultures, mm-hmm. but just that meat grinder, the yeah. arbitrariness of it, the brutality of it and that's a brutal that. movie. It is a brutal movie. And it's saying different things around mm. like, uh, it has a lot in common, I think with like Dark Knight even with like mm. raising up for the people, like a inspiring figure mm. and, and what that means and does. Um, but it's still, it's a sniper. I, I'm a sucker for sniper. You know, I always gravitate to, you know, the very pepper, the sniper guy. So it kind of, I, I did enjoy that film. So that's, that's my recommendations. All right, we pulled it off. We did it. This well is done. good. Well done. You're all getting promotions. That's right. And accommodations. All around. Wow. <laughs> I need more stuff on my sleeve. Medals for everybody. <laughs> all right, well, we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time. I don't even know what's next. Yeah. <laughs> we usually talk about Whenever that. Whenever we but, uh, do some other movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> You're flipping through the channels late at night.